Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Uh, pick a hand, left or right? Uh, right. Uh, chit. Okay, cool. I'll chit. I've got chat. Okay, cool. <laughs> Cue music. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm the guy who worked a 60-hour work week last week. Right. And I'm Phil, the... Phil, I'm the I'm that oh, guy. Wow. You didn't even say you were a host? You didn't say your name? <laughs> Negative. I am a well, popsicle. <laughs> Uh, all right, folks, it's going to be one of those nights, and I'm I'm not editing this one. I am your other host, Senda, who did not work a 60-hour week last week. Ugh. And um, just as a quick reminder, this is a chit-chat, so this is an ongoing thing that we're doing while both pandemic and then on top of that, Phil's work life have, you know, been wild. And so writing scripts and editing and all of that sort of thing is not really a thing we're doing right now, as you have already experienced our outtakes are now embedded in the show itself as Easter eggs for you to find as you listen. It's exciting. It's like a hunt. What will you find tonight? Yes. Um, if you um, are if you are interested in what the show normally sounds like when the United States is not gripped in a uh, in a pandemic, uh, check out any of our shows that have numbers associated with them, like episode one hundred and fifty. Wait, which one is episode 150? I don't know. I just, I know, I know we did an episode 150. <laughs> yeah, we also did an episode like 200. Yeah, yeah. That, so just pick one of those if you want to hear what we're like. Any Anything that doesn't say chit chat. Yeah, chit, I mean, you can listen to the chit chats. It's totally fine. It's just, it's this format as opposed right. to something a little more structured, a little more scripted, and a little more edited. Which, a lot more edited. <laughs> which a we're just, more edited. <laughs> we're just not that right now. This is our soft pants episodes. Yes. <laughs> our hard pants episodes are numbered. These are our soft pants episodes. And we are very much soft pants. I mean, it's not like these aren't num We should start doing the thing. But this is Chit Chat like seven. Yeah, by now eight. people should actually know what we're doing. Yeah, well, it's just in case somebody picks it up, you know. Fair enough. Uh, in our normal um, chit-chat... Well, first of all, before I get into our normal format, I heard yeah. there was an episode last week. There, there was an episode last week. Uh, I was unable to make the episode uh, because it's I was true. working my 60-hour work week um, on a yes. very large project that is um, going less than stellar, uh, but is still moving along. Um, I heard you and Pandy did it. Yeah. Uh, you know... Pandy just seemed like it seemed like the correct thing to do was to ask a different panda to stand in. Right. Really? Um, and so I did that. Um, panda had some issues in that he is stuffed, does not actually have a mouth that opens, and uh, also no vocal cords. So uh, it, it was a it was a challenge for him. I'm, I'm not sure it really worked out well. Um, we might be able to make it some probably better been better on video because he's adorable on video. <laughs> yes. See, see, like accommodations, like I was talking about. I, I, I'm just, I'm not sure that I approached it. I think that's where I outshine, right? So on audio, I think I've got a distinct <laughs> advantage over the panda. But I think on, I think on video, I think the panda had like, like edges me out. Really? <laughs> I think the panda's probably cuter than I am. I mean. 
it's tiny and soft and stuffed. Doesn't really have arms. Has a little bit of a T Rex problem. Um, I, I mean, and it has and it has a cutie mark on its butt. In fairness, one of my arms <laughs> sucks. Um, the other one's Aww, pretty good. <laughs> it's still not a T Rex arm. Uh, no, it's, just, it's definitely not a T Rex arm. It's, it's like a sixty percent arm. Anyway, it's a it's a cyborg sixty percent. Oh, it is definitely a cyborg arm. Yes. Uh, in all the bad ways. Um, yeah. Alrighty. Cool. Moving, moving along, uh, in our uh, typical format for uh, this show, we're going to talk about uh, each talk about something in gaming that's giving us life, and then we're we're going to use the general something else in life that is giving us life. Yes. Like we don't have a themed one. We're just going to okay. go with the the catch all. Going to go with stuff. That's yeah. okay. I, I mean, I have things that are giving me life, so that it's good. Alrighty. Then, uh, hey you, what thing in gaming is giving you life? So I talked about this a little bit yesterday when I recorded the episode that went out today, which is last week for the rest of you all listening. Oh, non-linear podcasting. Oh, boy. Hmm, time traveling. Um, but I thought it would be interesting to revisit this a little bit with a little bit more depth, a little bit more realization, and an actual conversation partner. Not, not to say anything disparaging about Pandy. Like, he's great. He's also, as we have said, stuffed. Um... So the thing that is giving me life in gaming right now um, is this letter writing game that my group and I are doing. Sure, uh, sure. Side note, we did, oh, I just thought of another thing, but like, I'm not going to change my thought now. I am going to say we did do the session zero for Cartel last Thursday, and I cannot wait because those relationships are so delicious but as soon as i get to actually play some of them that's gonna be giving me some serious life so <laughs> expect to hear about it in the future for right now i would love to um tell you about the awesomeness of writing letters because um it has given me the opportunity in a way that i haven't really had since i kind of fell out of being a straight D player slash pathfinder player um to have and create physical artifacts relating to the game that I am playing, right? But both as an artistic thing, because I like to make things with my hands. Um, oh, wow, that was a sneeze act. I apologize. Oh. And I'm not I'm not cutting it either. I'm not even <laughs> editing this episode. That's probably my fault. It's I think I touched terrible. something on my phone that alerted you. Are you on Twitter and podcasting? Shame. I am capable of many things Shame. at the same time. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> what was I even saying? You were talking about um, the letter writing campaign. Yeah, but more specifically. Well, that, so, it's been giving you something that you haven't been able to do since like your D&D days. Yeah, because so in my D&D games, I would um I had a lot of fun making um props. I had a lot of fun um making character sheets, customized character sheets. So I would do character art and then I would also put it into a sheet. And because I am specifically this varietal of nerd, I would put it into Apple spreadsheet application numbers, which allows you to move spreadsheet bits all over the place so you can design something pretty and still have it calculate, um, which is delightful. So it's like something between... Um, a spreadsheet calculating sheet and one of those really cool ones that people just draw out. So like I would just plug in new numbers when I leveled up and it would do all the calculations for me and then I would print it out again. Um, so I did a lot of that kind of thing and like you collect dice, 
right? Because if you play a character for a long time, frequently it's like, oh, I want to have dice for this character or something. I'm not sure that I truly fell into that hole, but I know that a lot of people do. Um, and then there's like props and maps and puzzles and bits and pieces. And how cool is it when you're sitting at the table and your um, game master like pulls out a prop for the sure. thing, right? It's like really cool and really tactile. Well, I've been playing a a ton of games online because um for she's a super geek we record everything online and b and this was even before the pandemic but now it's even more true right now even my in-person game is online whatever um but then b like my in-person group we are so improv based um 95 percent of the time that um, props are not really a thing that come up for us. The last prop I can think of coming up for us at the table was uh, I ended up playing Bad Horse, um, the Evil League of Evil um, Bad Horse, and I was using my knuckles on the table to make horse sounds, and they hurt. Um, so when ran downstairs and got me his Monty Python coconuts. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> so, hilarious. Like, but it wasn't like a planned thing or something, right? Like... Um, it was brilliant, but it was like a side note, right? So the thing about this letter writing game that I am eventually getting to through all of the storytelling is that it's creating these um, physical objects. And they're really cool in two ways. The first one is that I'm basically like self-determining a character um, through choices that I'm making about stationery um, and wax seals, of which I now have two sitting right here next to me. Neat. This one has a cat on it because I am a cat. Um, and so I'm like, you know, writing letters. I have specific handwriting that I'm using for the letters because it's my familiar's handwriting and she's like in middle school. So all our eyes have hearts on them. Um, you know, there's like, so there's all these little details about the creation of the artifact and why it looks like that, right? I designed my own stationery and I got it printed out. I have a whole little bag of, bag of like wax tablets for doing the seals and, um, my my wax seals match the stationery and like uh, I have handwriting and like a paw print stamp that I put at the end as my signature and everything. It's great. And it's very exciting. <laughs> but then it's also funny and weird because then I take that artifact and I send it to someone else. I don't actually have it anymore. <laughs> right. You received one though. And then I get something that somebody else did back, which is super cool in its own way. And let's admit it, getting mail that is not a bill is exciting. We're adults and getting not bill mail is just cool. Surprise mm -hmm. presents. Surprise mail presents with sure, story sure. in them. So yeah, so I'm getting life um, from that game a lot right now. And um, I do think that a lot of it is just the coolness of being able to mess with the physicality of it, right? Like to be able to dive in and, and design all that stuff and work with it and write and all of those things. It's just neat. So I fondly remember, I lack any real artistic talent. So um, I like could never do like character art or anything, but um I used to um, make my own character sheets for things quite a bit. Um, that was very much a um, young Phil thing. And uh, years and years ago, I wrote an article on Gnome Stew uh, about D&D &D 4.0 and about how I had become addicted to all the bits in the game, right? Like <laughs> There's cards for all the moves and yep. we had, you know, folks on a map and... Um, Ooh, and, miniature and, painting. I definitely painted. I I didn't go down the hole into miniature painting, but what I did was I ended up buying miniatures that were specifically that character and painting that 
character. See, I used I to get people. Specific I, minis. I, there were a couple of a uh, couple guys in my group who did miniatures. Like for, they yeah. played Warhammer and stuff. So I would get. Um, I would go. I would go find a mini. And then yeah. they would paint it up. So, like, I'm, in my fourth edition game, I have this, like, really badass um, dragonkin with a glaive um, yeah. as my and, – and fully painted mini, which I still keep. Like, I um, I loved, loved that character. Anyway, um, my point being is that, uh, yes, I think that one of the things that we sometimes um, – it's easy for us to forget are the tactile – uh, elements of of a role playing game, right? Like, there's a thing about the dice. There's a thing about the rule book, the maps, the um, especially if games have artifacts that you can create, like um, uh, one quiet year, yeah, um, that- companions tale, right? Both yeah. of those. Um, one of my favorite storytelling games um, is um, oh. Is the it Fall this? of Magic. Okay, yes. The Fall of Magic has the the parts to this game are um the, I it, it's they're amazing, right? Like the tactile quality of that game is absolutely unbelievable. So yeah, I totally get how um I totally get how playing something especially right now when um like all of my role playing is currently relegated to online. Right. Everything is digital, right? Now, I will say this. For a lot of the games that I'm playing, not all of them, uh, I am rolling dice at home. And I have uh, I have let any of my players who want to roll dice at home roll dice um, instead of using, like, like, rolling through the Roll20 app. Like, if you want to roll through the Roll20 app, I have no problem. Like, cool, you do you. Um, but if you want to roll dice... Like I'm totally down with it, and I roll a lot of my dice. Um, uh, like I roll a lot of my dice, physical dice, because I like my dice, and I miss yeah. them. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I have my. I mean, that's one of the interesting things is like when I fell out of D and D in particular, and a lot of the games that I started playing suddenly were much more limited in terms of how many different polyhedral shapes we were talking about many d6 so many d6s maybe four you could get up to four if you're playing like lasers and feelings or like you know if you're playing fate it's still really kind of a d pretty (laughs) much still a d6 right um and uh and so like you know i carry a lot more d6s with me on any given day now than i carry d20s um which is totally fine, but there is a certain point of like, I don't buy more dice now unless I'm buying them for a very specific purpose, right? Like, I the last sets of dice I bought were like a set of sparkly pink D6s that all match each other that can be the dice for love and justice, right? I, I just because- bought a big ass, um, I didn't buy it, I kickstarted the um, uh, 51 millimeter gelatinous cube die. Holy bajolies, that's really big. It's gonna be a big it'd be a big one. I mean, I have and then I have that those are the other last specific dice that I bought is two big ones for my swords without master kit, right? Sure. The hefty ones, the ones that are the size of like Oh, I love like those. Four D6s yep. across on a surface. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I I think that it goes without saying that the tactile qualities of role-playing games are amazing. And um I actually miss 
like I'm missing it. Like I, um, yeah. I'm going to talk about in a moment. I'm going to talk about Forbidden Lands, and I played that game face to face, and it has cards, and I have like I have the dice, the actual dice for the game, and I have the map with the stickers, like that you mm-hmm. put the sticker of like the campaign location on the map, on right? The That's thing. very cool. Yes. Um, and we're not doing any of that right now, right? Our map is digital, and um. The characters are all rolling because um, they have character sheets. They have built-in dice rollers. They're all rolling through uh, their character sheets. I'm still rolling in person. I like rolling. Um, so, yeah. Um, I get it. I, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting. But anyway, so if anybody is, is uh, you know, thinking to themselves, well, maybe it would be cool to do a letter writing game or something, like, highly encourage. I think it's very neat. Yeah, and go to jetpens.com. <laughs> or just you know design your own and then yeah i'm just it. saying though like if, if if you are like oh i want to do a write, letter writing camp like a writer letter writing game <laughs> and i would like to have like some decent stationery or a nice pen or some cool ink or something like that uh, i recommend jetpens.com yeah it also depends on what your characters they didn't have anything quite uh it's a What's good place the word to start. I'm going- yeah, they, I needed stuff with more like mysterium. It's fine. I'm a big fan of Japanese stationery. Oh, it's um, great. And you can get yourself a very nice, uh, very nice fountain pen and some really sexy inks. Yes, um, that too. Yes. Very good. Anyway. Anyway, tell me about Forbidden Lands, because you were going to talk about Forbidden Lands. I am going to talk about Forbidden Lands. Um, this last session was our 25th uh, session of, of playing the game. Holy and cow. it marks one calendar year. Holy cow. Yeah, we've uh, we've been playing for a year straight. and That's, that's um, a lot. <laughs> we've been playing mostly bi-weekly with a dropped game here, a dropped game there kind of thing. So if you're like, hmm, 25 weeks, 25 sessions doesn't really seem to add up to a year, but holiday, missed, you know, games, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pandemic. Um, pandemic, we lost like a week and then we got back on track. Um, so yeah, we played uh, session 25 and um, I'm still loving it. Uh, the game is uh, delightful in its... Um, it's uh, travel and randomness as you travel through the world. Um, and the players are on a uh, little excursion um, to a uh, dwarven town uh, a couple days north of their uh, of their stronghold uh, and are about to uh, get embroiled in some uh, some dwarven uh, dwarven stuff. Uh, but what I am what's giving me life is, uh, having a campaign that has uh, gone a calendar year and nobody's done with it. Like everybody is yeah. totally cool. They just, they keep, they want to keep playing. Um, they they look forward to it every session. I look forward to it. Um, we're having a, like, we're having a lot of fun with it and I'm, I'm not in, uh, I'm not in a rush. There's something about the pacing of this game where it's like, well, like, they got this other quest to do. Like they were doing this one side quest and then they're going to, they're going to do another one. That's like part of the main, um, like the main campaign arc, but they decided like not to do it until springtime. They're like, well, winter's coming. We really shouldn't be traveling all like all like too far from home in the winter. So we're going to hunker down. We'll, we'll take that excursion in the spring. And I'm I'm like, all right, cool. No worries, man. But yeah. So, um, 
you know, I think the thing with a like a year long campaign, right? It really is a um, it's a balancing act on a number of um, fronts, right? Like um, one, the game has to be engaging enough a year later, right? Like yes. there still has to be more stuff to do. Um, yep. You can't have run through uh, all the you know con like you can't have run through all the mechanics of the game. Um, so that's yes. like yes. That's right. fair. Yeah. So that like that's still happening. Um, there's still like there's still a whole world. Like they have we like you have to mark what hexes they've been in because um, they don't have to roll again to travel through those. Right. So like they've only investigated like a fraction of the world in this like year. Like they've mostly stayed in this like one triangle. Yeah. So like now, like, you know, as as we embark on the next year of the game, like they're gonna go to further and further uh away from away from their uh, homes and, you know, like, and, you know, so part of that is like having enough campaign material, right. And note and noting when you're through one arc, like we finished one arc like a month or two ago and have been gearing up for this next big arc um, with some kind of small, um, like some small storylines in between. Um, and like, I think that, you know, that that's definitely part of it. And uh, the last part of it, which I, I never, so there's no way to explain it, right? It is, it is when a game clicks with a group. Yeah. Right? So so mechanics are great and it's fun to have like mechanical mastery and stuff ahead of you and and having plenty of um plot and world to chew is great. Uh but the part that like you have very little control over as a GM is when a group just comes together as a group of players, right? Yourself included. Yep. And you're just digging what you're doing. Yep. Right. It and, and it works and it just, and it works and everybody likes it. And this is not the group that I thought would be super excited about playing a fantasy role-playing game, <laughs> but they are. Um, it's working. And it's Don't not a game. That, anything. It's not a game that I originally thought I would run, but I am. <laughs> um, which I guess goes to say, that you should always be open to trying to run different games, even games that are um, slightly out of your comfort zone, because you literally will not know what game is going to gel with your group in that way, right? Like you, you can you'll know which games your group will like and not like, but you won't know which game is going to be um, one of those games. Like yeah. one of those iconic games. And, uh, you know, I would not have picked uh, Forbidden Lands a year or two ago. I would not have picked it as a game that I would have been super interested in. And yet, a year later, 25 <laughs> sessions, and um, and still digging it. So that's definitely given me life. That's super cool. Yeah, very cool. It is really funny. I, I, I also am not... I also wouldn't assume that a hex crawl fantasy game would be the one, right? Like for you. I have no words, right? Like <laughs> I, you you would think it wouldn't, and yet at the same time, and maybe this is another thing I've come to I've really come to learn and appreciate, is that um a good hex crawl game is actually a lot of improv. Yeah, no, it's not so much the improv so much as the I know that fantasy is not your home genre. Yeah, it, it isn't. And um, Forbidden Lands has its own take on fantasy that is, um, 
I, I kind of dig. Yeah. It's a little like magic isn't so powerful. Like there's magic. It's not spectacular. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I like your expressions that are going with this. No one else can see them though. They're very like, mm-hmm, meh, meh. It's, it's there. okay. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? I, it, 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 it doesn't have the, um, it doesn't have the D and D power curve, so it doesn't yeah. have that noticeable shift. Like a right. year into the game, like, still feels like the game. Still feels like the same game. Yeah. The characters are more powerful for sure. Well, they're um, not. They're but not. They're not super powerful. Like they had, um, they had an encounter with a boar. Yeah, and. Um, and and I've seen that encounter go a couple like I've seen that encounter where the boar is actually tore up the party a little, but in this case, um, they finished it like in the first um, two beats of the initiative, right? And I was like, wow. okay, so yeah, I um, yeah, I don't know. It's again not a thing I would expect. I again my takeaway for this before we move on to the next segment is um, be open. Be yeah. open to different games. Uh, you literally won't know which one is going to have that magic until you start running them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, good. Tell me yeah. another thing that's given you life. Well, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I was rereading a whole bunch of things on my shelf. Like I suddenly uh, just decided it was time to reread all of my Robin McKinley books. And so cool. I did. Um, and I reread the vast majority of them. And as I was reading through them, I was like, she's written a bunch more books that I don't own yet. How do I not own them? Why did I stop purchasing them? I should have been buying them the moment that they came out. What was I thinking? And then I was like, oh yeah, weird life place. But, um, so I went and got a bunch more of them online, at which point life took a slightly different direction. And the thing that was giving me life turned into, um, a different story writing thing for a little bit there. Oh yeah. And, it did. uh, I mean, that's still giving me life, but like it's starting to maybe move slightly slower now. <laughs> Actually, I have some downtime. Um, so, uh, so I finally picked up those books that I ordered back in March when I bought my last tank of gas, by the way. How fun is that? It's going to be July, the day after tomorrow. I haven't bought gas since March. Hi. <coughs> <laughs> I mean, hybrids haven't gone anywhere. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, so I so I got those books and they've been sitting on my dresser in that way where I'm like, I have one source of sort of new story ideas and new media and it's working really well for me because we're able to talk about it as we're doing it. And so it's not scary in that like, I can't anticipate what's going to happen totally. Like I understand the framework and then within that, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know kind of what's going to happen. Um, which made that feel really safe as a medium for a while there when I didn't have the emotional energy to consume new things. Um, as the ability to think about consuming new story and things that I can't necessarily anticipate is coming back to me. That's also why I was rereading things, not, not reading new stuff um, for a bit there. Um, I was like, you know, I should read those books that I ordered at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> anyway, so I just, uh, I finished... Uh, Late last night, I finished uh, Shadows, which is a Robin McKinley book. And I think it might be my favorite of hers um, other than uh, uh, Sunshine, which is oh, my yeah, favorite. Oh, the Vampire Baker one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Um, and uh, Shadows was really amazing and a completely different world, but had some similar feels. Um, it was really interesting, um, sort of modern fantasy, right? Like modern normal world, except um, a little bit more dystopian, a little bit more 1984. Um, and then with this overlay of like the reason that this particular area was a little bit 1984 and it would... It was particularly poignant um, because of the timing in which I read it, which I will maybe get into in a second here. But um, so uh, the the thing about it is that they live in this country where there is no magic. There's not supposed to be any magic. They rely on technology only, only technology. Um, magic has to stay in the other continents and they prevent it from coming over and they check people who come into the country and they're like, no, you can't come in. If you bring any magic with you, you can't bring magic things. You can't be magic. If you're born there and you have the magic gene they splice it out of you. They remove Ooh. that part of it and they have to do it when you're like little so that it doesn't permanently damage you. So if you manage to avoid that and then they catch it when you're an adult, like that's kind of bad because they can do terrible things to you in attempting to remove it and they will still try to remove it. That's where it gets a little bit 1984, but like, so it also has some interesting um, echoes because like it's a world that in many ways feels very normal and feels very like the world in which we currently live. Um, but on the other side, it's like clearly, you know, a, the people kind of just accepting this um, magic fascism, frankly, right? And not thinking about it because that's the way that like this girl is 17 and that's just the only world that she's ever known. Um, and then finding out like that she's magic, you know, it's kind of a <coughs> thing. <laughs> It was a very good girl coming of age story. And then on top of that had a lot of notes about, um, um, I mean, honestly about governmental misuse of power, um, kind of thing. Um, and it ended in a place where it's very much, you know, then about like, okay, now there are multiple generations of people who have to go forth and change the world and make it better. Um, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> So that's what I just finished reading, and I started the next one that I bought today. Uh, so I'll uh, report on that one later. I really like Robin McKinley. She's great. <sighs> Good books. Anyway, what's giving you life that is not gaming? Uh, so not gaming. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a um, tried and true favorite. Um, well, I have been reading physical books and I've been enjoying them. I think I, I talked about it last time. I, I uh, can't remember. I did. I, I talked about. Um, Chronicles of Amber, and I'm still Very reading right. that because that uh, because that series is enormous. Yeah. Um, but I uh, finished, I, as in I got to the end of uh, Deep Space Nine. Um, mm -hmm. Now I started mid third season, so I, I I jumped in mid third season when I randomly picked up an episode to watch, and then like I watched it all the way through um, mm -hmm. to the finale, which was amazing. And I had only seen the finale once before, so like going back and watching the finale um, was really good. And it's very finale um, feeling. Finale-esque. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's you know, it's uh, it's bittersweet in a few places, like a good finale should be, and it's hopeful in a few places. So um, it's all, it was all, it was all really good. Um, but then I was like, okay, I, I started mid season three. I should just go back and watch the first two and a half seasons and like actually watch every DS nine episode. Also, 
I need to prepare the watch list for a future uh, DS9 <laughs> uh, watch watch club. So Thank I was like, you. I should just go back and watch them all. I appreciate you. I am becoming a Trekkie. <laughs> you are, um, which I appreciate. <laughs> so I did. I went back to the pilot. Um, I watched the pilot again and forgot like how much overlap um, TNG Next Generation um kickstarts ds9 and forgot Mm. like there's some serious overlap in kind of like pushing it out of the dock so to speak but then i've been like watching the first episodes and uh they're not i mean they're not spectacular compared to the end of the series uh and there's a couple reasons for that there's a change in showrunner that um really um beefs up the show later um and it suffers you know it's the first season so it's always you know there isn't a lot. The writers are feeling their way through the characters and stuff. Um, but I am uh, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's season one is like probably season two of Next Generation. Yeah. I mean, that 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 seems good. Yeah, no, it no, is. Right. Like no, no skin of evil episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No skin of evil episode. <laughs> Um, there are a few things that like, there are a few things that when we watch it as the watch club, we'll have to talk about like season one, um, Julian Bashir is a little too thirsty, yeah. uh, in an uncomfortable kind of way. There are a few episodes where I'm like a little cringy, like, Oh, um, <laughs> they do much better later with him, but it's fun watching like a lot of the characters get introduced and just, um, Having just seen the end of it, going back and watching the beginning of it and being like, oh, like, this is where this brick was first laid, right? Like, or, oh, that's a piece of foreshadowing that I doubt the writers, like, were intended, right? Like, yeah, knew that they were doing at the time. Right. The thing that I also learned from Deep Space Nine, and I'm and and again, because you haven't seen it, I'm not I'm not going to. Yeah, no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it. um, But. um one of the characters is um, the commander's uh, son. And there are a lot of stories with Jake um, and his buddy in it as like kids, like messing around on deep space nine. And I was like, huh, I did not remember that. Like, (laughs) like I did not remember that. Like the kids plot was like a thing in a lot of episodes. So anyway, uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I have, um, I have vowed that when I reach the, uh, when I get all the way full circle and get to the middle of season three, I am off to Voyager. Um, it's, a, it's the series that I know the least, um, and I'm looking forward to actually, um, I'm looking forward to, with a kind of a refreshed energy to uh, watch Voyager uh, with fresh eyes, because uh, I was very grumpy and disgruntled when it first came out because I very much wanted something to continue in the like right after DS nine and they didn't, they did something different and I was pissy about it. Um, and I don't think I gave that show the fairest shake. So I'm going to come back to it. Fresh eyed, uh, renewed with a lot of Trek energy. Right. Cause I've I think got, you have a lot of fresh Trek energy right I now. I do. I got this cool new <laughs> shirt for father's day with like, you know, with the, yeah. um, Good the Federation symbol. And I've got another one coming with um, the uh, athletic shirt with the Defiant 
Uh, it just says it says it just says uh, it, it says USS Defiant on it, a ship you do not know yet. Yep, I was gonna you, say sure. A ship you will a ship you will love. Um, <laughs> it's it's probably my favorite ship. Okay, um, I'm a big fan of the USS Defiant. Anyway, um, plus I love its name. Um, anyway, that's been the thing that's been giving me um, that's been giving me life lately, and uh, I'm okay with that. Right, we're still in pandemic. Um, it's still important to self-care and I've really noticed a huge uptick in people like in my Twitter and Facebook feeds who are watching Star Trek again. So have I. It was, it's like everybody finished Avatar The Last Airbender and they were all like, let's watch Star Trek. And I'm like, wow, I'm watching Star, I'm watching Next Generation with people I didn't even realize were watching Star Trek. Like, it's, it, it, cool. it's interesting in that um, I forgot how big of a fandom it was for me when I was younger. And I kind of put it away for a long time. Yeah. But like now coming back to it, I'm like, like I'm really excited. I'm going to have two Star Trek t-shirts, right? (laughs) Like, like I'm loving the fact that I'm just going to like start embracing, um, that nerddom. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to run the, the role-playing game soon enough. Like that's, I have no date on that, but that's definitely going to happen. Like, I will definitely start playing in a Star Trek universe and start telling Star Trek stories, which uh, excites me greatly. Anyway. Yeah. We should wrap up this show so that we can put some outtakey stuff at the end. Yeah, let's do that. So, in order to wrap up the show, we have to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. And I think it's only fair for you to talk about your show. Okay, cool. So on She's a Super Geek, Andy and I um, release an episode every other week um, in which we play many different role-playing games as one-shots, and there's uh, I I don't remember my own pitch. Hang on. (laughs) And we highlight women as GMs. Yes, I was trying to give you the the softball pitch, right? Like, I know, uh, I I just started it in the wrong place. Yeah. See, I know it. It's actually join Andy and I every other week for something. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, you should listen to it. It's any nominated from last year. It's a great show. You'll love it. (laughs) Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Uh, you can find us at Pandas Talk Games on Twitter, or you can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, forums.misdirectedmark.com, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, and Phil, once they have that information or find us in one of those places, what can they do? Well, listen, at some point, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna stop doing these chit-chat episodes. We're going to start doing Ooh. regular episodes again, and in order to Sorry, do that, Mike. we're going to need some topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to need some topics on things that you want to hear about. Uh, questions you have about GMing or game mastering or playing, whatever, um, send us those topics. I will take them. Um, I will, um, like a good sushi, pack it in with some um, with some helpful advice, roll it tightly, and <laughs> slice it up into little bites that uh, will be delicious, and I will put on your plate for you. Um, that's okay. I'll, yeah, just, we'll I'll just be the soy sauce and wasabi, I guess. I am salty and No, hot. I guess actually you'd be the one who cut up. I think you're the one who cuts the roll up, actually. Like, oh, okay. I, I feel I, like if we're... I'm burn your mouth. <laughs> Amen. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Anyway, uh, the, the whole idea is send us topics, right? Um, we, we really like to do the show about the things that you're interested in. Uh, and we will get back to that, right? Um, this is our own form of self-care right now, uh, doing these lighter shows um, at a time when uh, life is not very light. So um, this is helping us, and we hope we are helping you uh, in return. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon uh campaign go to patreon.com slash mmp uh patrons get access to the awesome slack room for life um you can come hang out with us on the friday luncheons yes um you just have to um you just got to look in the slack room we put up a note um you could do our trek uh watch club if you are into watching some uh, next generation with us you don't even have to be a patron yeah you can just do that you can just do that one yeah you just go to the forums and follow along jump in with us we're having watch parties every tuesday absolutely um you get the bonus outtakes from the show you get the uh, after show from the instructor mark um pre-production show notes all sorts of things like that uh at some time later in the future uh as we kind of wake up from uh from this pandemic and uh get ready to publish some stuff again um we like to shower our uh patrons with cool stuff uh from the encoded line um which we haven't done in a while because encoded's been sleeping it's uh it's taking nicely. it's taking a little rest Hibernation. while uh, it's a lot to it's a lot to to handle in the middle of a pandemic anyway um consider supporting our patreon campaign listen there's another thing you can do um that helps us out immensely um it goes along with our if you listen to us you will love us <laughs> uh campaign and uh that is you could leave us a online. rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. I'm not going to give him time to finish because he comes up with something really long every time. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Um, if you uh, want to leave us a five-star review, we would absolutely appreciate that. And if you want to write us a review, that brings us so much joy and happiness um, that it is uh, you know, artistic validation that it makes us very happy like pandas getting drunk on bamboo and falling off of stumps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, say, Senda, we've done so many chit chat episodes. What if next week we just took a random question from somebody who's listening to the show and just answered it live? T- talked about it. Cool. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Hey, send us your questions. Cool, cool. All right. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Wiki, attempt number hey. two. Hey. Attempt yeah, number one know. will never be seen. Yeah, because it's already been deleted. Correct. Because <laughs> it, it didn't click on my end. Failed to click. Yep. Hmm. What we have here is a failure to clickulate. Mm. <laughs> Wait, I'm not editing this. We just got to start the show. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Bloop. <laughs> 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 <laughs>